Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here. Now, if you need cash without the controversy, the team at SaveWithConrad.com can help. But don't take my word for it. Uh, My name is Jeffrey Munson. I'm from West Roxbury, Massachusetts. While listening in the car one day with my wife, we both were like, oh, he does mortgages. We should look into this. We've tried to refinance a couple of times and either the, the process was too crazy or we were told we didn't have enough equity in the house yet even after owning it for about 15 years at that point, you guys started servicing Massachusetts and we just jumped all over it. Reached out through the website and Larry actually gave us a buzz and started walking us through the process. And it was just, it was just wonderful. It was a great experience. So we managed to consolidate a lot of debt and also take some money out. And we were still at or below what the value of the house was borrowing in 2005 when we bought the house. Hi, my name is Jeffrey Munson. My wife and I managed to save $1,800 a month and are now paying $400 less each month with SaveWithConrad.com. And unlike the dirt sheets, these reviews don't lie. With over 1,000 five-star reviews, find out for yourself how much Conrad and his team can save you by checking out SaveWithConrad.com and do it today. You'll be grateful you did. NMLS number 65084 Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Welcome to WHW Monday. Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. Jim Crockett for Starcade, 605 NWA. TV title, Cajun Omni, the Bunkhouse Stampede. Flair and Horseman, Garvin, Bogey, Magnum, Dusty, Express Tag Team. Turner, Bottom, Mid-South, Joy World Championship Wrestling. Talking about the great years of World Championship Wrestling, the NWA and Jim Crockett Promotion. Tony and Friends North, they win. Look, Shivani's back again. World title split off center stage. Bischoff, Disney, Hogan, and Nitro, New World Order. And the Crow, Thunder Russo, Arcat Champ, Vinnie Mac, Simulcast. Tony's back with Conrad, not your classy podcast. Watch a long try not to laugh, lowest rules, cat bath. This wasn't the initial plan, Tom Ziggs a good looking man. Quandike Bill, make a chance. Tommy, you come over here. What a 
And now, let's go to the ring. And here's your co-host. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to What Happened When? With the voice of your childhood, Tony Schiavone. Tony, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm great, Conrad. How are you? Oh, man, better than I deserve. Excited to be with you today. I can tell you're in a great mood. and I, can, I am in a great mood. Yeah, of course, man. Why wouldn't you be? The 200th episode of Dynamite is tonight, and it's Ooh. happening in Tampa, Florida. Man, how much fun have you had in the years in Tampa? I mean, my goodness, what a great wrestling town. Zero fun. Really? Now, where'd you get those yeah. jalapenos in your hair? I thought that was Tampa. Uh, I can't remember where that was. Let's go with Tampa. Okay. Yeah. So tonight it's a big <laughs> Tampa show. We got John Moxley taking on Trent Beretta, Pinta El Zero. Come on. Everybody loves Pinta. He's going to be in a, uh, anything goes match. How fun is that going to be, dude? How about Jericho and Takeshita taking on Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia? Lots of fun stuff happening. And of course this weekend in Greenville, man, who would have thought collision in Greenville? It's like a full circle for you in your wrestling career. No. And Ricky, the dragon steamboat will be part of it. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot of excitement. I can't wait to get to green bowl, South Kakalaka at the bond Secours wellness center, formerly the Bilo arena. Uh, and, um, uh, collision has been great, man. It's been a lot of fun. I've been enjoying doing the interviews and, you know, being part of that, that angle that, had made that tag team match for later on a couple of weeks ago and then being able to be the one to announce Ricky Steamboat. Um, so it's a great week for us. It really is. So. Man, I absolutely loved Collision last week. By the way, I want to give a, a plug too for the brand new Cody Rhodes documentary that just came out on Peacock on the 31st. Have you had a chance to see that yet, Tony? No. They talk about All In. They talk about AEW. It tells his whole story. You never know what to expect with one of those WWE documentaries, but that was a good yeah. one. I think you'd really dig it. I uh, can't recommend it enough. And I'm excited that you guys are here with us today. Of course, Tony and I threw down a couple of bonus episodes for Patreon last week, including something I never thought we would talk about. Abdullah the Butcher wrestling Zeus. Uh, my goodness. Uh, Tony, can you describe that match in a word? Yes. Shit. <laughs> yeah. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so I didn't even know that thing existed. I, I, when I saw that, I'm thinking Zeus wrestled Abdullah in Puerto Rico. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, yeah, it happened. It did happen. And I'm excited that it is live now. It's uh, patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday for into that sort of thing. We're doing something a little different this week. We do it a handful of times a year. We're doing ask Tony anything. This allows mm -hmm. us to cover a lot of different topics in a hurry. Uh, let's start off with a great question from our pal, Bad Money Slim. We've posted it up on social media. I'm sure we'll actually run a clip of it here as well. He wants to know, what'd you think about the Renner Center truck video? We've had a lot of fun watching these old clips of Memphis and the old Memphis television shows. And more often than not, we find that there are a lot of rent-to-own furniture store ads in that programming. We've made fun of it, had a little bit of fun with that. And then Bad Money Slim somehow found a Renaissance truck and filmed himself riding around town on top of it. He's mm -hmm. a nut, dude. Is he not? He's something else. I sent him a note and appreciated what he did. Um, it was it was a Renaissance truck to promote us 
uh, in our uh, our podcast, and it was really cool. It was really well done, and uh, he's quite a character. So, yeah, I saw it. Really appreciate it. It's uh, a lot, a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun, and uh, rather than just talk about it, we'll go ahead and throw to that footage right now. Take a look. Here's Bad Money Slim on a rent center truck. What a commitment. I mean, that's yeah. not CGI. My man's really riding around town on the top like it's damn Teen Wolf. Yeah, and, you know, that's uh, that's unsolicited from us. He went and did that on his own because of how much he thinks of us. So that means a lot to us. Yeah, I, I can't begin to, to, to mention or tell you and tell Slim how much it means to us to be able to do that. So, uh, I mean, he promoted us, and he promoted uh, our Patreon channel. It was like, wow, dude. Thank you so much. So really well done, bud. Bravo, Mr. Bad Money Slam. Yay, Thank you for bravo. all you do for us. Uh, Coach Rosie, that nothing happening son of a plumber, wants to know, Tony, what was your favorite class in school? A favorite class in school? Uh, well, in, uh, in high school, my favorite class was uh, study hall. In, uh, in college, it was tennis. As you can tell, I was very uh, cerebral. Yeah, no doubt. Still are. <laughs> uh, Adam Leeson wants to know, who was more interesting to work with, Bobby Heenan or Larry Zabisco? And was there one thing in particular Tony missed when he was out of wrestling from 2001? So let's do the last question first. What did you miss the most about wrestling when you were gone? The most? The paycheck. I knew you were going to say the money, you motherfucker. Yeah. Is there something besides the paycheck you missed? No. You don't miss the camaraderie, the laughing, the jokes. You don't miss any of that. You're in a great mood. No, I, I mean, I, I, I do. I, we have it now, and I would miss it now because we have so much fun backstage and laughing and everything. And you didn't have fun like I, that before? No, I, I guess. So I, that's a good point. I, you know, uh, and it kind of ties into the first part of the question. Uh, we, Heenan always entertained us, mm -hmm. made us laugh. Zabisco and his shirts uh, just killed us. And, uh, and Larry and I played golf a lot. So I miss playing golf with Larry. And uh, yeah, I guess the comment. And of course, you know, I, I've talked so much about how great a guy Lee Marshall was and how much. You know, Heenan was so funny and Heenan would, he called Lee Marshall goo after Mr. Magoo because right. Lee without, Lee without his glasses couldn't see shit. I mean, you never saw him with it on, on TV, but Lee Marshall had these really thick glasses <laughs> and he would go without them. And one time I, I think we're in Memphis, uh, we're, we're, we're pulling out of the parking lot and Lee's going to his car 
and Heenan's in the front seat with me and leaves, doesn't have his glasses on. And, and Heenan said, Oh my God, it's going to take goo 10 hours to find his car. And I just, it just popped me. So Heenan, uh, with the, uh, never ending jokes and the pranks that he pulled with us when we were traveled was a lot of fun being able to, you know, travel with dusty and that stuff. I, I think I had, and this is the case now, but not really as much now as it was back then. But I think we had more fun in the car than we actually did in the arena. Yeah, that makes when, sense. When I would when I would drive and tell jokes and people in the back and you know uh, shitting on people like we do, uh, making fun of people, making fun of the business, uh, kind of an extension of what we do now, right? We kind of make fun of things. So yeah, I, I miss the car rides. Put it that way. Hey, uh, you once had a, a few fun car rides with our friend, Mr. Regal. And, and as I understand it, he's just filled with jokes on those type circumstances. Any good Regal yeah. car jokes you can share with us? Oh my God. He was, he told one. No, I, I'll have to think of it. It, it. it takes me a while to remember jokes now, but he was great. He was absolutely great. As a matter of fact, you would say hello to him and he would start him with a joke immediately. I'll say, hey, your lordship. He said, did you hear the one about that? I'm thinking. <laughs> I love it. He's he is really one of the one of the funniest guys ever. And he says, you know, you, you and of course, you know, he and I reconnected recently when he was in uh, AEW. And I said, uh, getting good jokes. He said, well, you know, you can't tell them like you used to because you offend people. I said, you're not going to offend me. Hit me with one. Um, and uh, I'm just. I can't remember them. I really can't. We got a great question here uh, from Ross Parks. And these are the type of questions that you love, Tony. Oh I still want to know the difference in between how Justin Timberlake treated Tony's daughter and how he treated the kid wanting an autograph that he ignored. Come on, man. Uh, read that one to me again. I don't, I don't understand. So you told a story here recently on the program okay. about how you were uh, able to ignore a child who was asking for an autograph and he may have been at an autograph event, but either way you blew the little kid off. Yeah. And the idea here is how's that any different from what Justin Timberlake did to your daughter? Aren't it's you? not with the exception of he's a billionaire and I'm not, he wasn't then he was a slap dick kid. Yeah. Right. Who's the guy? Hey, what's, what, let me see that. Ross, Ross parks, Ross parks, you know, go block a R K S I E two, four, six. Okay. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> make sure. Make sure Larry blocks his slap ass. I love you. Uh, Tony Shavoner's regular size seat. It used to say booster seat. That's been changed now. Thanks to you, Tony. Tony, if you had a wrestling genie and he granted you one event or match in history, you could make or change the finish of what would it be? Or you can exchange that wish for a flutie whistle. Wish from a ghost. Who would that ghost be? I don't know what a flutie whistle is, but it tickled me. Uh, do you have one? If you could look back in your entire wrestling career, change one finish, what would it be? Yeah, I would not have the, from uh, Star K97, I'd have that fast finish. Bullshit. Just a regular sting beats him clean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Benjamin Big says, Tony, you get the opportunity to set up a three-man booth with any two guys you've worked with. Who are you going for? And by the way, everyone's still alive in this scenario. So you could pick Bobby Heenan or whoever. I think Heenan and, uh, did I ever work? I don't think I ever worked with Heenan and Jesse together. 
Wow, that would have been quite a combo. Yeah, I think that would be good. That would be the one. Yeah, so suck it, JR, and Excalibur. Pass. Uh, Jason wants to know, you don't, you don't, you don't try to create heat, do you? No, no, no. I was just, no, you don't, you don't, I wanted to make sure that everybody understood who you picked and more importantly, who you didn't pick. When's the the last time you, yeah. When's the last time you were in Huntsville? Uh, last Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is this your beach house that you're at right now? Yes, it is. Okay. Where are you at right now? Are you in the back cave? Yeah, I got the dogs. You can see the bug and uh, Kirby. Copy. Uh, Jason wants to know what was a routine day like for you during a nitro? What time would you get to the arena? What did you do before the show started? Uh, routine day for me uh, during the nitro, I would get there at noon and uh, basically do nothing, hang out and talk to the guys, and that's about it. So you just showed up at noon, did nothing, and then the show started. That's right. Wow. We had we had nothing to do. We had no prep because we never had a show until show air. How's that different from what happens these days? Like, what's a day at Dynamite? Not much. Um, we uh, now I show up like at eleven. <laughs> okay. Uh, eleven a.m. Uh, Tony gets to the arena sometimes between one and two, and uh. What'll happen is, uh, and then I'll take the list of pre-tapes that we got to do and go out and make sure they get done. I work with Sanjay on that and the crew. And I, most of my day now is spend, it's spent running talent down to make sure they go and do their pre-tapes. And then uh, the pre-tapes are done, and I help work with them on their pre-tapes and make sure the pre-tapes either get back to the truck. And we have a, we have a couple of people do that for us. We have really good staff now, people. Or get back to Nashville so they can build a package that go on the show. Uh, and because of my work backstage, I really don't have that much time to prep for my broadcast. And in reality, I don't, I don't need to because the one who needs to prep really is, is Excalibur because he kind of drives the, drives the train on that. And a lot of times I'm trying to get pre-tapes together all the way up until airtime. Sometimes I've, you know, I've, I've not made it to the desk till about 10 minutes before airtime. And they'd like for us to get on there about uh, 20, 30 minutes before. And sometimes my job's in the back, uh, prohibiting me from getting there when I should. But I've always made the broadcasts uh, that, and we take a, we do our two hours of dynamite. We, uh, they change the ring skirts and everything for rampage. Sometimes I'll just sit out, out at the table. And a lot of times I go in the back and, get some water or something, come back, do rampage, and then go on my merry way. Go on my merry way. And that's what you'll be able to do with rocket money. That's what we're talking about here today on the program, making, and more importantly, saving money. That's the old cliche we've all heard. Not what you make, but what you keep. Listen, man, I want to help you keep more of your own money. And that means sometimes we avoid things like try it free for 30 days. Well, you know, that's enough time to try it and then completely forget that you signed up. And then before you know it, man, you're paying for a subscription you don't use, and you're paying every single month with Rocket Money. You can change all that with just a few quick taps. You see, over 80% of people who are listening to this have subscriptions they forgot about. Maybe it's a streaming service you bought just to watch one show on, or maybe it's a free trial that you never even really used. Well, Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, 
handles a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscription, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. You see, Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify your subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones you don't want. Simply find the subscription you don't want and press cancel, and Rocket Money will cancel it for you. No more long hold time with customer service or tedious emailing back and forth. Rocket Money makes canceling subscriptions as easy as the click of a button. Over 3 million people have used Rocket Money. In fact, the average person can save up to $720 a year. I saved even more than that. I didn't realize that I'd signed up for DAZN or that my wife and I had both signed up for Hulu. Dude, we watch TV together. We didn't need all that. We found a boatload of cash we could save, and you will too. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel those unwanted subscriptions and manage your expenses the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash WHW. That's rocketmoney.com slash WHW. Rocketmoney.com slash WHW. All right, let's do another one here. RCS88 wants to know, what was your favorite Coliseum video to produce? And were there ever any ideas you thought of for Coliseum video that ended up not being used? Uh, my favorite one is obviously still the first one. Uh, and that is Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And the reason it's my favorite one was we put a lot of time and effort into it. And the people at Coliseum Video just absolutely loved it. Just absolutely loved it. And they thought it was one of the best videos they had seen at that t at that by that time from the WWF. And so that always has a fondness uh, to me because, you know, we would, we created, we were created a music video uh, for Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Stars and Stripes Forever music and the music video for him. And uh, helped create it with the help of my editor and edit or an edit three at that time putting it together it was like edit one edit two edit three three edit suites back then of course with technology things have changed a great deal but uh because hell you can you can put together a show on your laptop now right, right. um but that was my favorite one but usually every idea that i had uh, we went with it because i was the only one thinking about it right and Vince would just like kind of write off on it. He only would critique. He critiqued the cover art a lot um, because of the way he wanted the box to look. But usually I had free reign. I even mentioned one time that I had an idea to, we were going to do this thing where Gene Oakland went all these different places and interviewed these people. And, uh, we had him go and do a thing with the, the bushwhackers and we found this old abandoned shack and he ate some, uh, bushwhacker buzzard with them. And we all put this together. I've got some pictures of that. Me doing that with the bushwhackers and Gene. And, uh, they, they gave me a free reign of creating that. I had an idea that Gene would, uh, do some cliff diving with Jimmy, the Superfly Snuka. And I even, I even took a flight to San Diego to go down to La Jolla to see uh, if, in fact, we could dive off of the La Jolla into the, uh, into the ocean. My idea was to get uh, one of the divers to put a bald cap on, look like Gene, and dive. And I, I did a site survey, just flew down to San Diego for a couple of days, 
and did that, and we found out it really, really wasn't going to work. So I, I pretty much had free reign to do whatever I wanted to do, which was really cool when you think about it. No one else thought about Coliseum videos or even gave it a, uh, except me. And so they said, yeah, do whatever you want because we're putting together TV shows. So it was pretty cool back then. I, I really enjoyed that. I think I've mentioned this many times. Really, really enjoyed that job. I probably, I probably had my creative juices flowing in that job more than any other job I've ever had. Wow. And I, and I left WWE with a, what I think was a very strong knowledge of television, television production, how important it was to what you do. Because there was a stark difference between what Jim Crockett Promotions did and what the WWF did. Jim Crockett Promotions had a truck. That was it. They had no edit base. Any editing they did, it went from real to, they went like, it was like caveman shit from real to real. And then we get into this edit suite in the WWE and it was with editors and uh, tape operators and assistants. And it was just wonderful. And, it, and I really felt I really love that job. And I, I've talked about this many times that how difficult of a decision it was for me to leave because I really, really loved the job. And I really felt like I was really doing some good producing. Great so. follow-up question here from Jason about that. He says, do you think the WWE brass respected you while you worked there? Yeah, I think so. Bruce Pritchard was my, uh, was my boss. And I uh, worked closely with Kevin Dunn. There was, I brought this up many times, there was a little bit of a problem where Bruce kept telling me that Vince is thinking you're sounding too Southern. But really, he said, yeah, just watch yourself. Listen back to yourself and try to get rid of your twang. And I'm thinking, all right. And Vince would always have Bruce tell me things that were going wrong, but Vince wouldn't tell me himself. And you think he liked to play good cop, bad cop? I think so. Yeah. And, uh, I guess that's changed. I guess he's good. I guess he's good cop and bad cop now. Um, uh, or at least was from what I heard. And back then, you know, he didn't produce me in my ear. I didn't have that luxury that everybody talks about. It's not one person. There's not one announcer out there that had Vince produce him in his ear that says they enjoyed it. Right. Okay. Yeah, I never heard that. No. Bruce produced me, and Bruce did a pretty good job of producing me in my ear. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think I was respected. I think after I left, I wasn't. But I, I think while I was there, I was. Who do you think is the best you ever had producing you in your ear? Like, who was really helpful, and you thought afterwards, man, I wouldn't have done as well if it wasn't for this guy in my ear. He was a real asset. I think it was Bruce, to be honest with you. Because Bruce listened to us. Uh, since there's been a lot of producers that haven't listened to us. And again, you want to really produce, if you want to really produce an announcer, what you have to do is sit back there with your headphones on and listen to what they're saying. That's all. Just listen to them. Don't do anything else because you might miss something. And listen to them. And I think Bruce was probably the best producer I had doing that. 
I know I'm being silly when I ask you this, but I'm trying to understand when you say, listen to them, you mean, as opposed to trying to multitask and do other things or trying to yes. watch the monitor. Yes. Trying to multitask. I mean, if somebody comes up and talks to you, you shouldn't talk to anybody. Yes. And there's saying. so many distractions in the back of the gorilla position. I always thought that whoever is producing the announcers should not be at the gorilla position because there's so much shit going on there. My God, is there ever that that person should be sequestered somewhere else. Right. That makes sense. Watch the monitor, watch what they're watching, know the storyline and talk to the announcers and not necessarily talk to the announcers while they're announcing. Talk to them during a commercial break. Right. Uh, so. Because I imagine it's hard. I've only had to do that one time. I did it for one match, but. It's got to be a little hard to focus on what I'm saying, tell the viewer at home what I'm saying, use my notes, play off of two other people, and oh, by the way, there's a guy talking in your ear that no one else can hear. Right. That's a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not, the, I'm not the type that will put up with much bullshit. Uh, give you a perfect example. I've heard from other announcers how Vince I don't know if he still does this. I don't even know if he's what he's doing. He'd be he'd be very emotional. Yeah, would be very emotional to you, and would say unkind things to you. Right? Yes. Yeah. I promise you, if that ever happened to me, I would have walked off the set. I would have put my headset down. I would have walked in the back. I would have gotten an Uber and left the door, and probably been fired. And I didn't give a shit. Cannot do your job if you're told how shitty you are while you're doing your. Can't do it. It's impossible to do. At least it's impossible for me to do. To get motivated, to be given positive reinforcement, I can do. But to be given like, you know, oh, you fucked up, buddy. You really fucked us up there. Now I'm thinking about how much I fucked up instead of doing my job. I would have put my headset down and walked off. I almost walked off the set at MLW once. Wow. I, and it, it, it wasn't. It, I wouldn't. I, I wasn't going to walk off the set and leave, but Court Bauer was s- screamed at us one time for saying something, and I'm not so sure if I said it or Rich Bikini said it. And I remember him screaming at us. I remember thinking, I'm going to go to the truck and tell him never to fucking scream at me like that again. I'm fucking leave. But I, I, I calmed down and went ahead and did the program. But I remember thinking, if he comes back and says something else, I'm going to get that motherfucker. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in a fighting mood that night, buddy. It, isn't it funny, too? Like, I, I like you and I like Court. And it's, or it, it's just funny to me to know that these are two guys who, in a normal circumstance, would never even so much as raise their voice. But this crazy right. pressure mm-hmm. of television and, and talent and yeah. storylines and juggling and cameras and the costs are ticking every second. It just makes people crazy. And yeah. that's not the way they would normally behave, but that pressure just gets to people and it spills over. And I can remember what it was either rich or I, I think maybe I said it. There was this wrestler who was trained by, uh, Curtis Thompson. Okay. Okay. Uh, Mr. Uh, it was Curtis Thompson, right? Big cat. And Curtis, whatever. Mr. Mr. Hughes, Curtis Hughes, Mr. Curtis Hughes, fuck. 
Curtis Hughes, big cat Curtis Hughes. And we said he was trained by Curtis Hughes and court screamed, don't ever mention Curtis Hughes' name ever on the air again while I'm running this place. Do you understand me? Yeah, he went on and on and on. I'm thinking, motherfucker, raise your voice one more time and I'm coming in the fucking truck. Because it was a part-time job, right? And uh, so it's, it's as Will Ferrell once famously said, Gator don't play no shit. You feel me? Gator never been about that. Never, never been about playing no shit. That's Tony Schiavone. Gator don't play That's no me. shit. Gator don't play that. No shit. No, he really don't. Um, yeah. let's do another question here. Drew Baldwin wants to know, do you have any good Bob Cottle stories? He always sounds like a really nice person. It was, he was a great man. Bob Cottle worked in politics for, with Jesse Helms a very famous right winger <clears throat> from uh, the from the Raleigh North Carolina area and Bob worked with him and Bob was always such a gentleman I never will forget standing up getting ready to do a stand up with him and just marking out telling him how much I watched him and how much this meant to me and thinking how much of a goof that was it was and I remember one morning we were I th- I think it was after we did the bunkhouse stampede in Nassau Coliseum. And we were leave, we left that morning to go to the airport and we were going to LaGuardia and I had a map in my lap and, uh, was navigating through the traffic. And Bob always talked about, he said, I never will forget that that map in your lap, you navigated us to the airport and got us there safely. I never will forget that. And I never can thank you enough. And he brought that up to us many times. I'm thinking, boy, what a nice man. The only thing I could say about Bob Cottle is, uh, they don't make them like him anymore as no far doubt. as being a gentleman and being a professional. They don't. Do you think uh, Bob Cottle would have been interested in manscaping? I mean, do you think he just I, went full-blown Wookie Bush or would he have been about trimming up the twig and berries, you think? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how he would have done it, but I think any person who uh, finally decides I'm going to use some manscaped products will be using them for life. Well, there you go. Hey, how about the Beard Hedger Pro Kit? That's what I'm excited to talk about. They're going past waist deep in the grooming game. Now they're diving headfirst in your facial hair fantasies. We're talking a Beard Hedger band. It's a game changer. It's going to go ahead and allow you to let those beach balls bounce and turn heads all over the place this summer. So visit manscaped.com and use the code WHW. Buddy, we're going to get you 20% off and free shipping. Let's get rid of all that stubble trouble once and for all with the Manscaped Beard Hedger Pro Kit. How about this cordless trimmer, man? It's got 20 different hair cutting links with one guard. No more drawer full of junky crap in there. No, no. 20 different lengths in one guard. It's also waterproof, so you can do this in the shower so you don't have to clog up the sink. How about that titanium-coated T-blade? Strong enough for that hair on your face, but still smooth enough to give you that single stroke efficiency. They've also got all their other formulations. How about a little beard shampoo and conditioner? Remember now, beard hair is different than your head hair. It's a little more coarse and it needs to go ahead and be treated. What I like best about this, and I never even really thought about it, was when I first heard of beard shampoo and conditioner, what? But then I realized, wait a minute, this will reduce ingrown hairs. Well, sign me up. It'll also replace your natural oils and promote beard health. Speaking of that, how about the beard oil? Give you a little shimmer and shine and also relieve the dryness, not only on the beard, but the skin underneath. And cap it all off with the beard balm. Now you can really shape and style and moisturize 
you want a little sculpted look. Maybe my favorite part of this kit though are the free bonus gifts they throw in there. A beard brush, which if you've never used, you're missing out. How about a comb and some scissors? That's right, beard scissors. It's awesome. Get 20% off and free shipping at the code WHW for manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use our code WHW. Manscaped, Beard Hedger, one stroke, one guard, 20 links. Tony, let's talk about something we did in our real life recently. I was uh, uh, holed up, if you will, with Cassio mm-hmm. Kid, Mike Dawkins, and stupid ass Dave Silva. And we went around and we decided we would play like the Mount Rushmore of breakfast cereals. And boy, there were a lot of different options that were mentioned. Probably some of the usual suspects. And I thought, you know what? I should ask Tony that. So Tony, let me ask you, what is on your Mount Rushmore of breakfast cereals? Number one is Lucky Charms. Okay. Without a doubt, with a bullet. Wow. So you're far and away number one is Lucky Charms. Wow. Yeah. What's number two? Then, uh, honey Nut Cheerios. Okay. Uh, that checks out. I could see that for you. Yeah. Uh, uh, what used to be, I used when I was growing up, they were called Sugar Smacks, but they're now oh. called Honey Smacks, I guess. Yep. yep. Sugar Smacks. I know that one. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, uh, I guess the cereal companies wanted to stop using the word sugar. That's right. So they started calling them honey smacks. And then after that, it would have to be uh, Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs. Wow, I hadn't heard of that one. Never heard of Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs? Well, see, here's the thing. When it came to my turn, I said Captain Crunch. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What else? That's it. Just Captain Crunch. That's the only cereal I've ever had. That's all I need. Found the one I like. I'm all set with Captain Crunch. And when I said that to Dave Silva, Dave Silva had a hilarious question because I guess there's a lot of spinoffs of Captain Crunch. Like there's different okay. versions. You could get like peanut butter, Captain Crunch and all that. Right. And so then, you know us, uh, we're degenerates. So it, we, we wound up on yeah. what, uh, <clears throat> if you were going to apply a name for a breakfast cereal and, and name your gimmick after a breakfast cereal, what would it be? So like our friend Dre, he would probably go with Cocoa Puffs. Whereas maybe Cassio Kid, he'd go. Sugar Smacks. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Dave Silva. And instead of doing Captain Crunch, his is Oops All Berries. <laughs> I mean, that's not a great name. Oops All Berries. Yeah. 
What would you name your gimmick? If you were going to name your gimmick after a cereal, would you go Special K? No, I would go Unlucky Charm. <laughs> You're going to go Lucky Unlucky Charms? <laughs> Unlucky Charm. That's tremendous. Yeah. Oops, all berries. You know what? Uh, just like Captain Crunch with you. Uh, your Lucky Charms, that's the, it? Just one? Yeah, that Lucky Charms is it, man. I, you just can't beat that. Yeah. You know, and because, unlike any other cereal, they're magically delicious. Can't be magically delicious. <laughs> what a great line. You can't be magically delicious. <laughs> no, do you can't. see the word magic in front of that shit? How do you beat it? You can't compete with magically delicious. Right. Yeah. It's absurd. I love it. That's, that, that's telling you that if you put the spoonful in your mouth, even though you think at first they're not delicious, they magically become delicious. How do you beat it? You can't beat it. It's yeah, magic, right. motherfucker. Right. Um, Ryan Vox wants to know, can you explain how Terry Runnels went from makeup artist for Larry King to manager of the future? Yeah, I can. She was a makeup artist for uh, uh, NWA, uh, WCW. And Ole Anderson told, looked at her one day and he said to me, he says, you know, she's beautiful. She looks good. You think maybe she would, like be a manager. And I went, I'll talk to her about it. And I did. And she said, yeah. And that's where she became, uh, whatever. What was her character name? Alexandra remember? York, Alexandra York. Yes. Right. And I can't remember who, who came up with Alexandra York. I'm not so sure. Um, uh, but you know, she was the, uh, the lady with the computer that had all these different, uh, all these different programs on wrestlers that could determine their moves and win. And, but it was only Anderson's idea to make her a manager. And then of course she hooked up with Dustin, uh, and you know, became his wife and became, uh, with gold dust. And then of course, you know, did some things on her own after that. So, but it all started with, with Ole and Ole coming to me about it. And there you go. Uh, Trevor Towler wants to know, what's your favorite off the beaten path town that you've been to an event for? Oh, uh, like a little town, maybe one we don't talk about. Yeah. I, listen, I, I loved, I loved Regina, Saskatchewan. Okay. I did. I, it was a cool freaking town. It now for people who are in Canada, that's, they have a big stadium, the home of the uh, the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders in the Canadian Football League. Uh, but it's a uh, it was a cool little town, and as a matter of fact, it was one of the few towns that I really got out and walked around in. We had a very nice hotel, and uh, I stayed. We stayed at the Hotel Saskatchewan, which was wonderful, an old hotel. Um, you don't hear that much about it, but. Uh, I had never even heard of Regina Saskatchewan until this year, but, uh, that was cool. Calgary. Listen, I, I had a great time in, in Canada. I, I thought, oh my God, we're going to spend July in Canada. What the fuck? But it was pretty cool. But Regina is one of those towns that don't sleep on because it's pretty cool. Hey, talk to me about, uh, Bret Hart's bar. You had a chance to go check that out. I've seen some photos yeah. online. It looks like a really cool spot. What'd you think? Yeah, it was great. It, uh, they were showing uh, regular sports on TV, but they had one monitor they always were showing wrestling on. 
and not necessarily Bret Hart wrestling. They were showing a lot of the old stuff from Madison Square Garden. We watched the American Dream Dusty Rhodes take on superstar Billy Grant from Madison Square Garden. Wow. When Dusty had the hat and the robe and and was was early Dusty being Dusty. And I remember seeing that and thinking, that's the Dusty I remembered at the Roanoke Civic Center back when I was a fan that made me become a fan of Dusty's. But anyway, they were showing that and they had all these different had all the different memorabilia in there. And uh, they had, uh, I guess, it, his own beer, his own, I'm sure he didn't brew it himself, but it was, it was uh, the hit Brett, the Hitman Heart beer in cans. And uh, a bunch of us went there and uh, it was really, really cool. It's in a casino. It's in, I, I don't know, and it's, it's right up at uh, near the Saddle Dome. It's right where, it, right, it is right in the midst of everything. Because the Saddle Dome and the GMC Stadium, where they have the Calgary Stampede and the the casino, are all together, and Brett's uh, place is in the casino. And oddly enough, there are a lot of the security people around the casino, around Brett's uh, restaurant, that knew me, and we're still watching, you know, AEW right now, and. Uh, so it, it was cool. It, it was really, really cool. It, was, uh, it wasn't like I expected at all. It was much bigger, and I, I thought it would be kind of a smaller place, but it's a pretty damn big place being a casino. So, yeah, it was cool. Let's do a question here from Robbie Harvey. He wants to know, how often did him and JR talk during the Monday Night Wars? We didn't talk at all. Uh, Darren Staley wants to know, if you had to choose one, would you rather shower with Sting wearing the makeup or Sting without the makeup? Uh, Sting without the makeup. Hey, you know, we had a good conversation with Eric Bischoff this week on 83 Weeks when we talked about when you guys made the mistake, in my opinion, of trying to turn Sting heel in late 99. What if the heel version of Sting meant we stripped away all the paint completely? Mm. Now it was just... Sting Steve without Borden. the paint. Yeah. more. It mm -hmm. looks more like Steve Borden, less like a superhero character. If you're going to try to work, make him a heel, why not remove all the things that people like about his look and presentation, right? Good idea. You could have made him like, like this psychotic character. Yeah, that could have been fun. Yeah. Speaking of fun, Francis Reyes wants to know, what are you looking forward to doing in the UK if you have any downtime? I'm, I'm not looking forward to doing anything. Do you realize as you get older, you are becoming Jim Ross? Maybe so. <laughs> Is there a certain age where you're like, I ain't doing any of this bullshit anymore? Somebody sent out an, an inner office email. I'm not so sure who it was about taking a group of going to parliament and touring there. And someone said, hey, you going to go to parliament? I went, absolutely not. Who gives a shit about going to parliament? <laughs> <laughs> Are you, yeah. what are you going to do over there? Is there one thing you're looking forward to at all besides coming home? Uh, sleeping. Okay. I promise you I'm doing this. I'm going where I need to be and I'm going back to my hotel room. And it's kind of like what I do now when I'm on the road, you know, I, I don't go to the bars. Uh, I very rarely go out to eat with anyone. I just go to my room and I, I got my iPad. I download my my TV shows, my movies, and I watch that. So no, I'm not. I don't know. I do any touristy things. Tell the truth. 
you, you miss Rebel being on the road every week. I do. Yeah. Because you were having fun back then. I mean, y'all were yeah. like eating spaghetti like uh, Lady in the Tramp. Right. I have another buddy on the road now, though, that I really enjoy being with. Old Sotnam Singh. He's a hell of a guy. <laughs> he gives you piggyback rides everywhere. I've seen it. Uh, no, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm not get. I'm not getting good. <laughs> people, people will misconstrue what I'm saying. Yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, Bryant wants to know when you were a kid, who was someone you didn't like at first, but you eventually became a big fan of wrestling wise. Yep. Uh, well, it was blackjack Mulligan cause he was a, was a, a heel and a terrible heel. I, I'm as far as he was a good heel, but he was bad, mean man and didn't listen to anybody. And then when he turned babyface, I started to, to like him. And now to this day, he is my favorite wrestler of all time. Interesting question here from, uh, Craig Brinkley. Why did Crockett not want to continue with Gordon Soley? He was the voice of wrestling in Georgia for years. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it may have something to do with Jimmy having problems with Gordon's drinking. Mm. Uh, there's something that tells me, and I can't remember the conversation we had, that, that he thought that Gordon was unreliable. I never saw that from Gordon, but I think that was Jimmy's thinking. Maybe wrong, but that seems that. And I know what you're saying because. When Jimmy bought the time from Vince McMahon and brought back World Championship Wrestling, the old one, the old Georgia Championship Wrestling, logically, Gordon should have been there instead of me and David. Right. And they didn't bring Gordon back, and we got a lot of, I got a lot of hate mail about that. Um, wasn't my fault. I mean, I'm not going to, if Jimmy's going to come to me and say, hey, would you like to do our show on TBS, I'm going to go to, and here I am like 25, 26 years old saying, nah, bring back Gordon. I'm not going to say that. Right. Um, but I think it had to do with Oli. Oli told me the story about bringing Gordon to North Carolina show. And it may have been the first Starcade. Uh, and so, you know, Oli lived down in Georgia and Gordon was in Florida and Jimmy had told Oli, he said, now get him here and I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to make sure that you, that he doesn't drink. I want you to make sure he doesn't drink before he gets here. Oli said, no problem. Oli said, by the time we got there, he was drunk. And I kept thinking, how did that fucking happen? He said, well, what he said, I realized what happened. We went out to eat. And I so would stop to the bathroom. He had these little bottles of air, airline bottles. He kept in his pocket. He wouldn't go back in the bathroom and turn them up. By the time he got there, he was two sheets of the wind or three sheets of the wind. So I, I think it had something to do with his drinking. This episode is brought to you in part by ProWrestlingCrate.com, a monthly mystery crates for diehard wrestling fans. If you're looking for exclusive wrestling collectibles every month, sign up for ProWrestlingCrate.com. Boxes ship worldwide and include brand new merch from AEW wrestlers and WWE legends. Every premium box includes two t-shirts, one micro brawler figure, one autograph tape by 10, 
one lapel pin, and more. Plans start at just $9.95 and are the perfect gift for any wrestling fan. Visit ProWrestlingCrate.com today. Here's one from uh, Welcome. I guess this is Eddie2003 on Twitter. Does Tony believes aliens have visited our planet from other worlds? Yes, I do. Okay, so you're an alien guy. Yeah. There's so much out there that it's not explained. The universe is so vast. If we feel that we know all, we're kidding ourselves. It's the arrogance of man. The the arrogance of man have led to some terrible things happening. Uh, But, uh, yeah, of course there is. It's got to keep your mind open. One of those would probably be oops, all berries. You know, the arrogance of man. (laughs) Here's another arrogance of man. Okay. Thinking that, and I I know this is probably those of you who are thinking, oh, this is a George Carlin routine. The arrogance, another arrogance of man is thinking that saving all these plastic bottles is going to save save the, the planet. Planet's not going anywhere. <laughs> it's not. We're going somewhere. We're going bye-bye. But the planet's not. It's the arrogance of man thinking that you can save the planet. <laughs> Let's be honest. We're looking to save our ass, not the planet. <laughs> okay? Planet's going to be here long before we're off, off of it. So that's the arrogance of man. It's just thinking, oh, wow. We can do something to save. You can't do shit to save the planet, dude. Uh, let's do a question from Ryan. Uh, how's it been working with Will Washington? Loved his podcast work and respect his wrestling knowledge. Of course, he is a brand new team member for AEW. What's your experience been like with Will Washington so far, Tony? I've had a lot of fun with Will, and uh, Will has done something for me that uh, I was very appreciative of, and that was taking over the podcast, AEW Unrestricted Podcast, because I, I really had trouble fitting that into my schedule. And you may say, well, you only work Wednesday and Saturday. That's well, not true. Well, bull fucking shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and of course on Wednesdays and, and on the days that I have off, you know, with Lois and her condition and can't drive and I have to make sure she gets around to all the physical therapies and doctor's appointments that she has. And so it was really tough to fit in. And so Will has taken over that and, uh, uh, Will and I have had a lot of fun together. He has a, he has, he has, he's, he has a, he has a great family too. I've met his kids. They're, they're good kids. Uh, as we're recording this morning, Paul Heyman has been on ESPN with Roman Reigns, and they asked him about uh, being the greatest manager of all time. What about Bobby Heenan? And Paul's response was, screw him, he's dead. Is uh, that what he said? Yes. Well, tell Paul that he's next. Oh, that's hurtful. Okay, if he doesn't stop eating uh, 10 pumpkin pies a day. Uh, Dakota Cohen says, when Tony eventually retires from the commentary side of wrestling, would he still want to work backstage or just leave the business altogether? No, I still want to work backstage. What would you like to do back there? Makeup chair? Uh, no, I'd like to have a baseball bat and whack guys in the ass with it who wouldn't get, get their work done. Which kind of I got now, you know? Yeah. Uh, I'd, like to, I'd like to do kind of like what I'm doing now, and that is working talent relations. Because I think I know how to handle people, and I do. Um, and it's a, it's a very, very tricky job in wrestling 
who work in talent relations. And I'm not the only one that works in talent relations. There's like three of us that work in talent relations now. And uh, it's, it's a very tricky job because you have to, everybody's different. You have to approach people differently. You have to be uh, receptive to their ideas and you have to kind of be uh, sympathetic to their feelings. Um, and right now I handle every gripe and complaint that is that a, that a wrestler has now kind of goes through me and I try to settle it as best I can. Uh, if it's ends up bet being between two wrestlers right now, we, we probably need to, you know, go over my head with it a little bit or get other people involved. But I, I like dealing, dealing with talent. I really, really do. I, and I think part of that is because the talent that I'm dealing with now all kind of watched me as they were growing up. Yep. So they, they have a respect for me. I, I, don't, I don't get it, but they do. And it helps me with my job. So I, I really like talent relations. Now, talent relations that I'm doing has nothing to do, has nothing like what JR was doing because JR was, was uh, doing payoffs and contracts and shit like that. I'm just kind of like uh, babysitting, but I like that. I really do. Hey, let me ask you about um, Adrian Street. As we're recording this, just yesterday we learned that Adrian Street had passed away. Truly, an innovator in professional wrestling. Did you ever meet mm -hmm. Adrian? Any memories of seeing his stuff? Yeah, I I worked with Adrian when I first started working with the Crockett's. Adrian, Miss Linda, and he was man. He played up played up the. Uh, the gay gimmick with me all the time. Uh, like with blow me kisses and stuff like that. And just quote unquote flirted with me all the time to where I really didn't know if he was or not. Right. But I knew Miss Linda was his wife. It was kind of a very interesting dynamic, but uh, he was very cool. Very cool. And I loved his in-ring appearance. I really did where he blew kisses and where he spun around and, um, so yeah, but I only work with him for a short period of time and I'm thinking we're talking like 83, early 84. And that was it. And then he, when I, I remember one time, you remember I had this long microphone that I yes. did my interviews with. Yes. Okay. There was one time I was, I went to the bathroom or something and came back and he was sitting in a chair. Okay. And he had that microphone boom, right between his legs waiting on me to pick it up. Go get your, get your microphone there, mate. And I looked at it, looked at him, and just grabbed it. Fernando Diaz has a great question here. If Tony was in the middle of the ocean and had to save one person from drowning between Rebel and Britt Baker, who would he save? Oh, God. Uh, probably Britt, because Rebel probably be buoyant enough to where <laughs> she wouldn't. She would She'd not, be fine. She, yeah, she wouldn't sink. Uh, part two of his question is also seeing how Conrad is now a hall of famer and Tony didn't attend his ceremony, just like his uh -huh. wedding as well. Wouldn't a great gift to the Podfather be his six man tag team title. So my question is why hasn't Tony given him his damn six man tag team title? Well, Fernando, thanks for listening to our show. As you probably know, that six man title is in a trophy case right now, at Petco park in San Diego. So if you want to get your fucking lazy ass to San Diego <laughs> with a baseball bat and break it, break down the, uh, the trophy case, why don't you do it? 
So that's that's an option now. We can tell people, hey, I got you a gift. It's down at the ballpark behind the glass. Go collect mm-hmm. it whenever you like. Just take a baseball mm-hmm. bat in there, break it the fuck down, and tell them Tony Schiavone sent you. No, tell them, no, just say, it. this is Conrad's. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan and Lane. you know what they'll say? You know that, that fucking Hall of Famer? Oh, God. Yeah, they'll say, yes, okay, yes. Uh, Dylan wants to know, how does Tony feel when wrestlers pull the mic up to their faces when he's interviewing them? It seems like it would annoy the shit out of him. It doesn't. It, you know what it does? It's like when they do that, it's kind of like, wow, maybe I'm not holding it close enough. I would assume them pull the microphone up to their face as I would have them lean down to the microphone. Wrestlers do this all the time. They lean down to the microphone. And I tell them all the time, don't lean down because I will put it up. Uh, that, well, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't annoy me. Sometimes what annoys me is wrestlers taking the mic when they have no idea where the fucking camera is. If you're going to take the microphone away from me, that's fine. I don't care. But don't take the microphone away from me and then turn your back to the fucking camera. God, that pisses me off. When they do that, I'll say, listen, next time, I'll hold the mic. Why? Because I'll make sure you're looking at the camera. Uh, Benjamin Big says, if Eddie Kingston is Tony's favorite, is there a consensus for second place? Is that Blackjack? Yeah, I guess Blackjack, if we're talking about all time. I didn't know if he was talking about current wrestlers or not. Um, but yeah, Eddie Kingston is it. Blackjack's number two. Uncle Jay 89 says, what were you thinking when Vince Russo was cutting that promo during Bash at the Beach 2000? This comes up because as folks are listening to this this morning, Tony, last night was the Bash at the Beach episode of Dark Side of the Ring. What do you remember thinking when you're seeing all that play out and Vince Russo calling Hulk Hogan a bald piece of shit and blah, blah, blah? I'm thinking, where are we fucking going with this? Right. Because I didn't believe it was a shoot. Still don't to this day. I don't give a shit what that, that cockamamie dark side of the ring presented. Uh, I still believe it was a work. And, um, to, the, to my dying day, leave it to work. That I mean, I believe that the Montreal screw jobs. Um, I guess it's because I've been in the business so long where nothing fools me anymore, or I think nothing fools me anymore. So I was thinking, where are we going to fucking go with this? And how I'm going to handle it? And what am I going to say? And what do they want me to say? Uh, so that's what I was thinking. Paul Hamrick wants to know, I just watched some being the elite episodes. Tony, what's your go-to coffee order at Starbucks? Wow. I've stopped drinking coffee completely uh, because of my energy drinks. But back when it was, uh, back when I was drinking and I have drunk some, I like a, an oat milk latte with two pumps of sugar-free vanilla. RCS 88 wants to know what was it like doing the on location shoots with Larry Zabisco on WCW pro in Chicago. Wonderful. Tell us about Absolutely. those. Absolutely. Wonderful. We went to Ed DeBevix one time and at Ed DeBevix, the, the gimmick was the, the waitresses, you know, talk shit to you. And I remember we was doing one from Ed DeBevix, 
the Bebix, the Bebix, and this waitress just was hammering Larry all day. And it was, and Larry was selling it too. It was just, it was really wonderful. One time we tried to get caught in a traffic jam because we were trying to think of the different, and Neil Pruitt used to go with us as well as our producer. And we used to go to think of, well, what can we do? Where can we go? And we went on the set of Bozo, if you'll recall. And uh, we did some other things. Ed DeVevix was one that I remember. We went, we got Chicago pizza. We went to uh, Mike Ditka's restaurant and had dinner there. But I remember uh, when we were trying to think of things where to go, uh, Zabisco and I thought, let's get stuck in a, in a Chicago traffic jam because Chicago traffic was horrible on the interstates leading in, in and out of the city. And I said, okay, so I said, Larry, I'll drive. You have the map. Neil, be in the back with the camera, and we'll, you'll just bitch about me being either lost or stuck in a traffic jam. He said, okay. And we drove around starting like at three o'clock up until seven and could not find a fucking traffic jam. I, I, it's like, what the fuck? We've been stuck in these traffic jams every time we come here and now we can't find one. So we never did get a, get a shot the way we wanted, but I don't even know if, I don't even know if you can find those Are are those on the network. I don't think so. I don't think the pro episodes are up there yet. I hope one day they'll add them. I'd, I'd love to see one. You know, some of the things I think we should do, I was watching Superstar from 1996 the other day. I think we should go watch some random episodes of Superstars. I'll get Silva and Sabato on that. We'll find some pretty fun, memorable moments. Uh, Chris wants to know, what was one mid-Atlantic rivalry before joining the company you wished you could have called? So as a fan, I'm Mm. sure you saw a lot of great rivalries. Was there one that you think, man, that could have been cool to be involved in that somehow? Yeah, the first Ricky Steamboat, Ric Flair rivalry. Oh, yeah. Back in the late seventies. And this is when Ricky Steamboat came into a Jim Crockett promotions and became a, a sensation and Ric Flair faced him for the NWA. I'm sorry, the mid Atlantic television championship Flair put him over on TV. And then they had to run back and forth. That would have been the one that I would have wanted first one between those two. Let's do a non wrestling question. Uh, Gilbert, sometimes Pat says, what does Tony think of the flash with the return of Michael Keaton as Batman, despite being a box office bomb and issues with Ezra Miller? I personally love the movie. Haven't seen it. Going to wait until I can see it on uh, streaming and it may be there by now, but I haven't seen it. I want to see it because of Michael Keaton and because Batman's in it, but I haven't seen it, but you know, one thing that I'm, I'm kind of tired of, and I know Dave Silva maybe can weigh in on this. Uh, I, I'm tired of this multiverse thing uh, about going to alternate universes and going back in time and just, I mean, it's just overdone to me. Dave McClay had a great follow-up question since you mentioned Michael Keaton. Who was the best at playing Batman and who was the worst? Well, the best at playing Batman to me is still Christian Bale. And I think it's maybe more because of the movies than it was the actual person. Uh, to me, the worst Batman. Uh, oh, I don't, I don't know. I have to think about that for a second. I, I so, folks like who've played Batman: Christian Bale, Michael Keaton, Ben Affleck, Robert Pattinson, Adam West, George Clooney, uh, Val Kilmer. Yeah, it's uh, it's either Affleck or, or Affleck or, or Clooney or Clooney, one of the two. 
I think my favorite's still Michael Keaton, followed by Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Matt De- Matt DeSimone bad. says, uh, first time caller, who does Tony consider the all-time Batman of pro wrestling? The all-time Batman of pro wrestling. Yeah, I guess the, the parentheses around the question is, who could become Batman if she or he had all the funds and gadgets at their disposal? If there was one person who could have pulled off the Batman equivalent in pro wrestling, who would that be? Sting. Mm, I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, here's a fun baseball question. Philip wants to know what one baseball game would Tony love to have called? Is there a favorite baseball game of yours that you think, man, you would have been a part of history if you got to call that one? Yeah. The, it would have been game five of the 1969 world series, Mets and Orioles, Shea stadium, Mets, Clint, the series. That would have been, you had that one ready for us. Sure did. Matthew Allen wants to know, hi, Tony and Conrad. My question for Tony is what are some of your favorite moments working in Louisiana, more specifically Shreveport, but any will do any fun times you remember in Louisiana? Well, of course, uh, we, uh, my, my most memorable time was the first Crockett cup Yeah, because it was my first time ever at the, uh, at the Superdome and my first time ever in new Orleans. Uh, I told you about that shirt that Jimmy Crockett bought me. Have I told that story? I don't know. Tell it again, just we're walk, in case. We're walking down Bourbon Street. It's me and Dusty and Jimmy and a bunch of us walking down Bourbon Street. Dusty may have not been there, but I think he was. And they had all these different gimmick shops. And there was a uh, there was a shirt in the window that said, No more Mr. Nice Guy, bitch, get on your knees. Jimmy saw that. Jimmy said, I'm buying that for you. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. So he went and he bought it for me and I took it home because, well, Jimmy Crockett, but I never showed, never showed it. And that was back in 1986, right? That was a pretty controversial shirt at the time. Was it? I would think. Yes. I mean, saying Red. bitch, get on your knees. Yeah. So I never, I've, I never wore it obviously because Lois and I had been married five years. Right. However, I would wear it daily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Drew Baldwin wants to know what baseball or football stadium has the best food you've ever eaten at a game. Wow. They're all pretty bad. Uh, God, there was one place we went to that had sushi. Wow. Where was that? I imagine that you guys did the uh, stadium show in New York for AEW. Yeah. No, I'll tell you what it was. Arthur Ashe, maybe? Yeah. No, I, I, it's not that one. Uh, the best food was Dodger Stadium in the Dodger Dog. That was the best food. That's pretty cool. What, they, grill their hot, they grill their hot dog. Uh, Jake has a question. We've heard colleagues of yours, like Jim Ross and Stone Cold Steve Austin, say if a wrestler doesn't desire to be a world champion in their career, they have no business being a wrestler. Do you agree or disagree with this sentiment? Totally understand that in any business, you want to be at the very top. If you're a college football coach, you want to win the national championship. If you're a college football player, you want to win the Heisman Trophy. Where do yeah. you stand on this? I don't know if they have no business being in wrestling. I don't know if that's that's accurate. I think they need to uh, be instructed about how important it is to be world champion. And you need to look at them as far as 
uh, where you place them in your booking, in your creative plan. Because not everybody aspires to be the world champion. If that person doesn't aspire to be the world champion, there is a place for that person in wrestling, maybe just not at the top level. Here's one from uh, Brendone. What, in your opinion, is different for commentating for current wrestlers versus in the past? What's something you believe the older generations did to help the commentators that you wish they did more of now? Hmm. Uh, I wish the older generation, I wish they would just kind of let us do our work now and leave us alone. Trust us to do what we know how to do. We very rarely were, we very, very rarely were told of spots that are going to happen back then. There's a lot of wrestlers who will tell us every spot they're going to do now. And I'm thinking, you know what? We're going to put it over. Just settle down. And it, and it goes back to how wrestling has changed over the years. You know, it goes back to that comment. You told me on this podcast one time when you when you talked to Nick Patrick and Nick talked about wrestlers getting their spots in. You remember that? Yes. Where where have they really done what they have they really done a service? Is it was it really a good match because they got all their spots in? Uh sometimes I believe there are too many, too many spots. And wrestlers are going to get those spots in, god damn it, regardless of where it is in the storyline. Sometimes they, they depend on those spots so much that if they miss a spot and they get all fucked up, the whole match is fucked up. Right. I know I'm going off on a tangent here, but sometimes I wish wrestlers, and they don't all do this, and very rarely do they. It, it, it's funny. A wrestler will come to me and say, are you doing commentary tonight? And my first, my first uh, response wants to be, you ever watch the fucking show? Because I'm always on the show. If I'm here, I'm always on the show. But I go, yeah, I'm doing the commentary. Well, we got this and this and this and this we're going to do. And make sure you say this and this and this and this. And I'm like, okay, you got it. And I'm in the back of my mind, I want to say, it's my fucking job to put you over. I'm going to do it. Okay. And if I miss it, and sometimes I miss stuff that they want me to say. But I, I, I guess in answering the question, I wish the older I wish the guys these days were not so uh, dependent on the spots and just do the match. I still think the best matches can be when you just go out there and call it as you just call it. Improv. Improv. Yeah. That's, I say it, and I've said it to the, the kids backstage. That's the real talent and real mag magic of the business is the improv, an improv fight. Uh, I'm calling the spots. Jesus. Philip Lane says, if you never got in the wrestling business, what occupation would you have liked to have gone into? Well, obviously it's baseball. That, that's, that's what I wanted to do. And actually I got into it, right? I was, I, I worked for the Atlanta Braves radio network for a bit. Um, and I worked for the Braves, uh, doing their triple A team. I started in the, in the baseball business out of college. It was my second full-time job. That's where I met Lois, and I was on my way to be a Major League Baseball announcer in 
Then it took a road trip, or it took a road road a detour. That was a detour. It was yeah. wrestling. So, but the baseball was it. Home run. Phil wants to know a big what if, but if Bischoff's Fusion Company went through with buying WCW, how long do you would how long do you think it would have lasted? Wow, would it still be around? And how long would well, that, you have stayed? I would have stayed through. I would have stayed with it for throughout because it was good. It was a good money and good living. And of course, it would have it would have stayed on as long as TBS would have wanted it, or as long as a cable company would have picked it up. And I guess the fusion was was uh, based on TBS wanting to keep wrestling on, right? Yep. And of course, they either lie. I guess they lied to him. I don't know. Did they lie to him? You know the story better than I do. I think it was one of those deals where. Uh... There was a little inside baseball, according to the Nitro book. Maybe Stu Snyder picked up the phone and talked to talked to Mr. Siegel, and yeah. here comes uh, Jamie Kilner, and ta-da, it's over. Yeah, it's a bunch of liars, and uh, you know Siegel and and Kilner and whoever was involved in that. May they all rot in hell right now. Wow. Okay. Well, this yeah. is escalating. Let's do some live chat questions. One of the best parts of being a member of the WHW Monday Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday, is you get to attend all of our live conversations, our live tapings, and you can ask questions. So let's start with the top one here. Zoel Lopez says, Tony, what's your all-time favorite controller? I'm sure he's talking about video game consoles. What's your favorite controller, Tony? It's this one right here, uh, the Xbox. Okay. I didn't think I would like it, but uh, comparison here. Uh, here's the PlayStation 5 controller, and they're both very similar. But I, I just like where the I like where the the thumb buttons are on this one compared to this one. These are kind of like straight across, and this has one up and one down. So. I never thought I would like Xbox because I thought that yeah, it's Microsoft and everything Microsoft does sucks because I'm an Apple guy, but I really like the Xbox controller. John Hamilton has a great question. Tony, what's been your favorite AEW segment you've been a part of? Uh, you're not going to be, you're not going to be able to beat uh, me and uh, CM Punk and Ricky Starks this last Saturday. That has to go down. One of my favorite ones. I really enjoyed that. What did you think when he pulled the belt out and spray painted it? I mean, I'm sure you knew some of that ahead of time, but I mean, what an iconic piece of your history. We saw that yeah. happen in 1996, and now we're seeing it again. And yeah. uh, with Twitter just renaming itself X, I don't know. It was yeah. kind of fun. What did you think? Oh, I loved it. Loved the whole segment. I loved that segment, and I loved the segment the week before when we, you know, we established that tag team match when I was out there for that. Uh, but I also love, listen, I love the stuff I did with Brit when, you know, when we did the thing in the, uh, getting our nails done and I liked all of that stuff working with her, but I, I really think I, I actually, I really think that that segment Saturday night was one of my favorites, if not my favorite of all time being a part of me being a part of person. Bryant wants to know, are you going to Hulk's beat shop? You're headed down to Tampa for AEW. Will you be checking out the beat shop, brother? No, I fly in Wednesday morning, go right to the arena. And then afterwards, I'm going to Jacksonville. 
And then after that, I'm going to Detroit. And after that, I'm coming back to Atlanta and driving to Greenville, South Carolina, which by the way, I'll be in Detroit this weekend, uh, signing autographs at WrestleCon from five to nine on Friday only. Plug, shameless plug. No, glad to do it. Um, Carl Hayes wants to know, what's your favorite grilling or smoking food this time of year? When you fire up the grill, what does Tony Schiavone throw on it, Tony? Okay. Uh, I don't grill anymore. And Carl, where you been, buddy? Uh, so I, uh, but a lot of times I'll go over to Chris Schiavone's cause he's got a Traeger grill, All right. you know? And, uh, he asked me the other day, he said, what, what do you want? I said, Chick- uh, skinless chicken breast. That's what I like. Nothing wrong with that. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't mind salmon either. So, but I mean, I used to like ribs and, um, uh, but, uh, and brisket, but I, I've, I've sworn off beef and. Oh, don't. Hey, do, you bo- do you eat Boca burgers? I don't even know what that is. Okay. Vegetable burgers. No, I, I, I never had. I, you get your ass kicked around here talking about some of that. <laughs> I really uh, like Boca Burgers. I really do. Here's one from Heather Whitley. In your opinion, who deserves more TV time in AEW that we don't normally see every week? Tony, if we're not careful, you're going to get yourself in trouble. So we're not going to say this is the person, but who are some people who you think, man, when they get an opportunity, uh, when, when, when their number's called, people are going to be impressed. Wow. Uh, I like Athena. Oh, I yeah. like her. I like her passion. I, I think, uh, you know, she does a lot for ring of honor, but, um, I, I think she, she would be a, a very good on, on a regular basis on, on TV. I really like her. Uh, one of the most talented people that we have is Harley Cameron. If you think that kid's not talented, holy smokes, she can sing. She has sung. She has performed as a singer. I think, I think you can look her up that she performed with, uh, boys to men at one time. Uh, now that she can talk, she's beautiful. She's got a great personality. Uh, I don't know where their plans are with her. I know she's on QTV right now, but, uh, she's really, really talented. Um, I think. Wow, there's there's so many of them out there that really deserve a shot at talking some more. Chris Statlander, really good. Uh, I know I'm only talking about the girls. That's not a surprise. Uh, we know who you are. Wow. What? No, I mean, just saying, you 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 like. I mean, you even talked about when you worked at Starbucks. You are your friends up there were ladies. Like you're. Yeah. Well, my best friend went in high school. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Nothing wrong yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, Brandon has a great question. Hypothetically, Tony, if you were to book a Texas death match between Eddie Kingston and one of those goddamn geese at Conrad's lake house, uh, how would you have Eddie put over the geese? Okay. Uh, the goose would fly up and flap his wings in Eddie's face. Right. Eddie would turn around to give the Oricon. Yeah. I knew that. How about knowing that name? I'm pretty excited about that. Okay. And the goose would catch it with his. Okay. Okay. And then as a referee is trying to trying to break them apart. Another goose would go underneath the ropes, wing up in the nuts, Eddie fall down the other goose penny. I love your, you got goose plans here. Yeah. Uh, Carl Hayes wants to know what concert would you like to attend? If given a private concert, 
And will you be making a Broadway appearance in September? I will not be making a Broadway appearance in September, Carl, but that's not a bad idea. I know we're going to uh, um, Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ash. Yeah, my uh, my concert going is like, I, I'd like, I if I had a chance to listen to, I, I wouldn't mind Collective Soul or Chicago. Mm. If I had a chance to go to a private concert, but uh, my concert days are over. I've I've outgrown. I've outaged those concerts of younger, middle-aged type people, not senior citizens. Two Count Kyle wants to know what are you playing right now, video game wise? And if you had to do a new podcast with someone from AEW, who would it be? Okay, so my uh, the video game I'm playing right now is uh, the new Zelda one on Nintendo Switch. Although it's really, really slow because you got to, it's just, and I found out Nintendo Switch is like difficult to operate. Hurts my, just, just not comfortable. But I'm playing that. Um, and, uh, and what was the second part of the question? If you could do a podcast with anyone from AEW, who would it be? Oh, it'd be Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. Eddie gotta get, we got to get him hard. some good internet, but then we're all set. Yeah. We had him on here once. We're going to have him on again because he wants to do it again. Oh, yeah. He's great, man. Uh, yeah. Michael McClanahan says, what's the funniest interaction or conversation Tony and Conrad have had where they were both laughing uncontrollably of all the moments we've had? Cause that's happened several times here on the show. Yeah. Does one yeah. stand out above all the rest for you? Well, yeah, of course, you know, we just did the, uh, when, when I pretended I was Johnny B bad in your basement, right? In your, oh yeah. Halloween in havoc your, back in, in the day. Yeah. In your theater room and you, me and Dave were just freaking dying and you guys got to laughing and it just got me more motivated to talk even dirtier and <laughs> even sillier. So that was the best too. Uh, Paul wants to know I'm from West, uh, by God, Virginia. Why does Tony hate us so bad? There's nothing wrong with being from West Virginia. No, nothing wrong being from West Virginia. If you like dating your, your sister. Oh, wow. No, I'm kidding. I, when I was in Virginia, when I grew up in Virginia and West Virginia realistically was not too far away. Cause I lived in Western Virginia and we used to drive into West Virginia to be able to buy liquor at 18. And that's before, uh, and that's back then you could buy beer at 18, but you couldn't buy liquor, but you could in, in West Virginia, we used to drive over there a lot to get it. So yeah, I thought West Virginia was pretty cool. Russell wants to know time has passed since the start of the podcast, since Tony's daughter's wedding, since the start of AEW. So after all this time, how does it feel to be back? Do you miss radio, coffee, et cetera? Your old life, Tony, it feels like a long time ago, man, but uh, it really wasn't. Well, do you miss anything about the way life used to be for you? Or are you still thrilled to be back? I'm really thrilled to be back. I'm thrilled to be able to, uh, to do this, thrilled to be able to be able to talk to everybody and let everybody know how I really am. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm really thrilled that we've uh, dispelled the notion that I hate wrestling. Uh, I'm really thrilled to be back uh, blocking people on Twitter that I hate. Um, and, but I do miss, I miss baseball. I miss calling baseball games. Because that was, that was a cool job in that, you didn't have anybody in your ear. You were your own producer. You made sure the broadcast was on the air and done right. 
and I miss that. I miss working for the Georgia Bulldogs because we, uh, Scott Howard, who's the play-by-play guy, and myself were very good friends and had a great relationship. And Chris Schiavone worked with us, and Eric Zier and Hondo, Neil Williamson, and the whole crew. We had a really good crew, and I was, I was really, really outspoken as far as. And I, and I had a lot of confrontations in a lot of press boxes around the SEC because I was really demanding about making sure my broadcast was okay because I was the man in charge of making sure the broadcast got on the air. One for me, we never got on the air because I, I hooked us up. I, I made sure they were in and out of the commercial breaks. I made sure they did their reads. I made sure we had a good location. I made sure the, uh, the wireless was working on the field. I was in charge of all of that. And if one person, one arrogant motherfucker from a sports information or athletic department from another school tried to fuck that up, then we were going to have problems. I never will forget. We, uh, we went to Auburn. Yeah, it may have been my last trip to Auburn. And Auburn had moved us from a great press box location to the end zone, when they re to the fucking end zone. You cannot call a football game from the fucking end zone. Okay, so Scott Howard, I sent, I I went and I set up the day before, and I took pictures. I said, Scott, I took my, my phone. I said, this is your vantage point from the end zone. It sucks. You're not going to be able to call the broadcast. So I worked out a deal to where we had monitors placed. So they could watch the game on TV and call the game on TV as they're watching TV. Scott put it on uh, Scott put it on Twitter that Auburn is struck again or something. Here's what they here's where they put us. Okay. Well, there was one little motherfucker down in the front, and our, we were, and I, I heard him start as our pregame show is starting. I hear him start start screaming Scott's name. Scott, if you don't like being in Albert uh, in Auburn, get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. And he started walking up towards Scott. And I'm thinking, this guy is going to fucking uh is going to uh ruin our broadcast. So I mean, like, I threw my fucking headset off and I ran down and I swear to God, Conrad, I was gonna grab that little motherfucker by the hair. And Chris Shivani grabbed me and he said, Don't do it. And I, I miss the times of where I could be just this, this fucking prick that was going to make sure that our broadcast was going to get on the air and be good. It didn't matter who, who stood in our way. And I had many battles with many people uh, because they, they would say, you can't do it this way, do it this way. I'd say, you know, here's the deal. It's our booth. We're going to do it the way we fucking want. And uh, because I was in charge of that. So I miss that. I miss the days of the SEC. And of course, I leave and they win two national championships back to back. So I guess. It was, <laughs> I love it so much. I guess, I guess, I guess it was my fault, right? We're not going to bring Shivani back anymore. We won two national championships back to back without his fat ass in the, in the booth. But I, I miss that. I miss, I miss the Saturdays of going to a different college football. 
Well, if you missed the Saturdays where you had a little more money, can I recommend SaveWithConrad.com? We're routinely helping our podcast listeners skip a couple of house payments, and that comes in handy right now. If you haven't already, you don't have to make your August or your September payment. You're done until October 1st. And come October 1st, man, you're going to have a cheaper monthly payment. We told the story last week. We saved a family $681 a month. Think about that. How much can you save? Find out right now for free. And again, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. But if you've got credit card debt and you're feeling stuck, like you're making a minimum payment in it, and I'm never going to get rid of this debt. Well, first of all, you know it's a crazy high interest rate. I'm routinely seeing credit cards at 28% these days. You know you can do better. Not only is it sky high, it's also not tax deductible, whereas the interest you pay on your house is. So why not tap into that equity, make life a little easier, skip a couple of house payments, and start saving some cash each and every month. I also want to mention if you've been on the fence about buying a house, now is the time to buy. This is a buyer's market. I'm routinely seeing builders offering all kinds of concessions. Sellers are willing to come down off the price and help you out and do some cool stuff that they wouldn't have done a few years ago when the rates were really, really low. But we all know that eventually the rates are going to improve. So I want to advise you on this. Marry the house, but date the rate. When you can find a great deal, that's the time to buy. If you wait and try to buy when everybody else is, man, what if we get into that crazy business we were a few years ago where people are overpaying by $50,000 or $100,000? Let's get a great deal right now and then refinance in a couple of years and make that payment go even lower when the rates drop. We can help you make that a reality and you can still buy a house with no money down at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084. Equal housing lender, savewithconrad.com. Let's do one last question, Tony, then we'll put a bow on this one. He's going to ask it every week, and Lord bless him. Lee wants to know, how many women has Tony gotten BJs from, and who was the best, and what's your favorite video game? Mine is Call of Duty. <laughs> Number is, uh, my favorite is Red Dead Redemption 2. Yep. And my number of BJs is zero. There you go. That's the reason he's miserable and he's in such a great mood because no one's ever kissed his wee wee. Uh, if your business targets men 25 to 54 years old, never to place to advertise than right here with us on what happened when. Find out how affordable it is to reach those men you're looking for and advertise with whw.com. Be sure to like us over on YouTube. That's whwonyoutube.com. That's the easiest and cheapest and best way to support the show. Be loved to have your social interaction. Easy for me to say at WHW Monday on Twitter and Facebook at WHW podcast on Instagram, tons of new swag and merch over at lowestrules.com. Some of our favorite shirts. We love seeing those lowest rules shirts on TV. So be sure to check out that new swag over at lowestrules.com next week. Tony, I'm excited about this. We're going to be back talking about, well, <clears throat> maybe Japan, maybe superstars, but something fun. And in two weeks, we'll talk about Bash at the Beach 98. And uh, that is the second biggest WCW pay-per-view of all time. Excited to be covering that one. In the coming weeks, right before All In, we also plan to actually cover the first All In way back when in 2018. And even Road Wild 1999, which I think featured Macho Man and a porta potty Some silliness coming your way sooner rather than later. And it's hard to believe that it was a year ago, Tony. Ric Flair's last match. It's now in the rearview mirror. It's been one year ago. We recently sat down and did a little watch along with Jeff Jarrett for that to commemorate that anniversary. That's available now at adfreeshows.com. But Tony, right now, 
It looks like it's about that time. Look, up in the rafters, ladies and gentlemen, I can't believe it. He's got a crow on his arm. He's got the white face paint. He's got the long black hair. It is all hood. See you next week on What Happened When. We come to you each and every Wednesdays on Cumulus Westwood One. But Mondays, we come to you on Patron. Patreon.com forward slash WHW Monday. And of course, adfreeshows.com. Hey guys, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley here. And I need to call a quick timeout, a brief timeout. Because I wanted to tell your listeners what I have been telling Foley is Pod listeners for a while now about all the cool things happening over on adfreeshows.com. On the debut episode of Making the Town, Lumini takes us through the memorable matches and moments of the famed ECW arena, including one that was never seen. Something very special happened after the power went off. Uh, Paul Heyman went out into the ring and spoke to the crowd without a microphone. And the crowd just stayed quiet and listened. And he gave the most heartfelt thank you to that crowd that night. And uh, the biggest shame of it is there's no footage of it because the power went out. On an all-new Tuesday with the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan talks about what some of the greatest factions of all time have in common. Four horsemen, four guys, Mm. when they're in the strongest. NWO, four guys when they're the strongest. And then Bloodline, four guys. But they also had a manager, each one of them. JJ, Eric, and Paul E. That's just a small taste, a sampling, if you will, of what we have waiting for you. With four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com.